Many of you know Janice Dean from Fox News Channel, where she's a, a well-liked and much-respected meteorologist. But she's also written several books. The latest is called Make Your Own Sunshine, a real celebration of hope. Stay with us. to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Santi, and Fox News Channel's Janice Dean joins me now. Janice currently serves as Senior Meteorologist for Fox News Channel. Prior to joining Fox News in 2004, Janice served as News Editor and Entertainment Reporter for I Miss in the Morning, which aired on WFAN New York, and was also simulcast nationally on MSNBC. Janice lost both of her in-laws last year to COVID. They were in separate elder care facilities. And since then, Janet has been using her platform to speak out against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and his executive order to put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. She says she wants answers for her family and all the others who lost loved ones. Janice's latest book is called Make Your Own Sunshine. The subtitle is Inspiring Stories of People Who Know How to Find Light in Dark Times. In her book, She writes about finding light in life's toughest moments and highlights stories of kindness during the dark times of the pandemic. Uh, Janice Thien is determined to remain positive and grateful despite the losses she and her family endured. And she hopes her book will encourage others to count their blessings and to be grateful for every single day. Janice is married to Sean Newman and together their parents, the sons, Matthew and Theodore. She's here with us today to talk about her life, her career, her family, and the faith and values that matter the most to her. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Fox News meteorologist and author, Janice Dean. Janice, thanks for coming on our show. And for our listeners and watchers around the country, the name of the book we're talking about is Make Your Own Sunshine. But I love the subtitle, uh, Inspiring Stories of People Who Find Light in Dark Times. And Janice, that's where I want to start, um, dark times for a moment. Everybody knows, and we talk about this in church all the time, uh, one of my favorite movies is Moonstruck, and I love the line where Olympia Dukakis says to her husband, no matter what you're doing, you're still going to die just like everybody else. So we all know that we're going to one day go home to God. But most of us aren't looking forward to that time when we find out the path it may or may not take. Your diagnosis when you were facing health challenges, do you remember what your first response was to the news? Was it a response of hope? Or was a, a, a gloomier response? How did Janice first respond to the challenge of we're all limited physically, we're all going to someday have to go home to God, but we'd rather not start that journey too soon? How did you respond? It was a very dark time. Uh, you know, yeah. I have to be honest with you. And it was a lot of it was because I didn't know much about multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody in my family that had it. The first vision I had was someone in a wheelchair. So I thought immediately that was probably what was going to happen to me. And so that was really scary, obviously. Yeah. Um, I It was a very dark time for many weeks um, because I was 35. I was at, you know, I had moved to New York City. I had the greatest job in the world. Yeah. I had a, a boyfriend who I adored and everything yeah. was going great, you know, and then it was like the car stopped completely 
And so I felt very sorry for myself and I didn't tell many people. I had to take quite a bit of time off work. I had to tell my boss uh, who was very good about it. Actually, he said, whatever you need, you know, we're here for you. However much time you need to take off to figure this out. And then I also realized that there was someone that was close to me that had this diagnosis. And that was my friend, Neil Cavuto, who I work with at Fox. He was there from the very beginning and he was very public with his diagnosis. So my boss at the time said to me, you should reach out to Neil and talk to him. Um, and he will help you uh, in more ways than you could probably imagine. So right, I right. was I was lucky to have someone I could literally talk on the phone with and then go see him in his office. And when I did that, you know, he stopped everything. You know, he mm. he turned the TV off. He brought a chair up to mine. He brought Kleenex and he just <laughs> listened. He just listened. And at the end of me telling him what's going to happen to my career is my boyfriend's still going to love me. Uh, am I still going to be worthy? <laughs> yeah. And, and he said, you're going to be fine. You're going to be great. And I'm here to tell you that as someone who has gone through the same diagnosis yeah. and I'm not going to lie to you, it's not going to be easy. And this is one of those illnesses where, you know, anything can happen, you know, at any yeah. time really, but it will also make you appreciate each and every day as well. Yeah. It, it will also make you realize how blessed you are. And at the time, I didn't really get it, but now I do. Now I, I do. I hear you, Janice. You know, uh, I, over the years when I've done uh, as guest appearances on many Fox shows, people say to me uh, on Long Island, where I live, they'll say, you know, like, who do you like the best? And I think they expect <laughs> me to name all the megastars. And I say, without a doubt, Neil Cavuto, because he's the real deal. He, he, what you see is what you get. He's genuine. He's uh, authentic. He's got a heart of gold. I said, and he takes his Christian faith and he actually lives it. And I'm just so glad he was there for you. Janice, let me ask you for our listeners and watchers around the country who, who know that, you know, MS is not a great thing to have, but may not even know what it is. What is MS? It's when your body is attacking its central nervous system, your brain and your spine. And we don't quite know why. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know why this is happening in, in our bodies, but uh, essentially, you know, um, I'm being attacked. (laughs) And the way they diagnose MS is they do it through MRIs. That Mm -hmm. technology will show whether or not you have lesions on your brain and your spine. Um, And that will show that, you know, um, there's, you know, little wounds on your, on your brain and on your spine. And that gives you an indication that, you know, I think about it as, you know, your brain and your spine as almost like, you know, um, when you have a lamp and you have the, you know, the plug uh, and and the and uh, all of the wiring that goes through the lamp into the into the outlet. Right. So if you take away the coating of that, uh, the the nerves or the, you know, the wiring gets frayed and sometimes right. the messages don't get through properly. That's kind of what MS is. So the messages are not getting through properly the, the, the channels that, that, that are in our bodies to provide that. And so it can affect our vision. It can affect our walking. Uh, it can be very painful. You know, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and it feels like I've got like electrical shocks going through wow. my legs. Um, so, and, you know, that's just a reminder that, you know, 
there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a fault, <laughs> you know, there's faults yeah. in my system. Um, but you know, the, the medications are getting better. The therapies are getting better. I'm on something that, uh, that once a month I get a, an infusion and mm -hmm. that's been life-changing for me because in the beginning I was giving myself an injection every day. Right. And that was kind of a constant reminder that there was something wrong with me. Whereas now I go in and I get my infusion and then I feel like, you know, I'm living my life. <laughs> right. Right. Janice Steens, our guest, her book is making your own sunshine, make your own sunshine. Um, I want to ask you, you talked about one of the challenges when you got your diagnosis was, you know, have this great relationship and, uh, uh, dating the right guy. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Sean, your husband. Um, every weekend when I do weddings, my way of learning how to preach better is by saying to the couples, do me a favor and uh, write me an essay. Well, there's a billion people out there you could have married. You chose this one. Uh, if you had been challenged to do the same thing, why, why is Sean the one for you? Oh, that's such a wonderful question. I'm so blessed to have met this man. Um, I feel like our meeting was predestined. You know, I, I truly believe that I was meant to meet him, have children with him, and him yeah. be my partner for the rest of my life. I, for many years, I always thought that I, I wasn't going to write feet, uh, meet that right person. I dated, you know, a bunch of wonderful people, but mm -hmm. we just, you know, th things happened and. It just wasn't meant to be. With sure. Sean, we began our relationships as friends. You know, we were, I met him in New York. Uh, it was a blind date that was set up from a girlfriend of mine who met him on her honeymoon while she was in Hawaii. It's a long, <laughs> wonderful story. But, um, you know, I had just moved to New York and I didn't know anyone. And uh, Leanne and Tony had had gone on their honeymoon in Hawaii and Sean was there by himself. It was a it was a dream to go there and surf in Hawaii. It had just happened after 9-11. My husband wow. is a is a firefighter and he'd gone through that terrible time. Mm. And so he went to Hawaii as kind of a way to, you know, to repair himself, to uh, you know, be in nature, do something that he loved to do. And he met my friends, Leanne and Tony on a hike one day when the surf was too high for him to go out. Yeah. And she was the one who said, you know, you have to meet this man. I don't know. There's something about him. He's really kind. He's a firefighter, he lives in New York. And at the time I was like, Leanne, the last thing I need right now is a boyfriend. And she said, well, why do you have to think of him as a boyfriend? Why can't it just be somebody <laughs> you're meeting in New York as a friend? Right. So that's how our relationship started. He was just a good friend to me. Uh, wow. And so, you know, he was my best friend for a long time. And and it just happened very organically, I guess. And yeah. he was there with me truly in the good times and the bad and, uh, and, and took me who I was. I mean, someone who was diagnosed, who he, he didn't know that path we were about to go on. But I remember one of the most important things he said to me was, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid to, wow. um, to go through this with you. So, you How know, in many ways- guy? I think he's a keeper. Sounds like he's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Me and, you too. Know, when you say uh, this great friendship you two share, now I'm doing a lot of uh, anniversaries for couples married 50 and 60 years. And I say to them, what held you together? And no one ever says good looks or money or sex, but they do say I was able to marry my best friend. It sounds so like true. you guys have that, which is, is the best. Now you and Sean did something else amazing to me in that I think one of the bravest things anybody can do is uh, choose 
to bring forth life. And what's interesting is you've done this in, 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 at the same time dealing with health challenges. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Matthew and Theodore. Um, do you have any idea, because I know parents and grandparents listen to and watch a show like this a lot, any idea how to pass on the values that mean the most to you and Sean to these children? Is there a right or wrong way to do it? Just be there for them, love them, make them part of your experiences. You know, when Sean and I go on vacation, the kids come with us, you know, that we were just planning something. We're going to go to Saratoga next month. And, and uh, someone said, well, are you guys going to go together? You know, like as a, you know, just a, a couple's trip. And I said, oh my gosh, no, my family, my, my boys have to come with us. And <laughs> I, listen, that's not to say that that's not important to have time with your spouse alone. Right, right. But I just, my, my boys are my life. They're my family. I, we both just adore them so much and feel so blessed to have them in my, my life. I never thought motherhood was going to be uh, a part of my life, to be quite honest with you. I, for yeah. many years, I was one of those people. It was like career, you know, uh, challenges. What do I do next? And right. to be able to have these boys in my life, again, sort of resets everything. What is the purpose of my life? Yeah. The purpose of my life is to be a mother and a wife and yeah. a good person. And, right. um, and the rest of it is just a cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> I like that too. I want to ask you too, with the, uh, the name I'm intrigued by it, Matthew gift of God, but Theodore is not one you see a lot these days. And, uh, I was thinking of the big statue of Teddy Roosevelt outside of the museum of natural history. Now they're going to take the statue down. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you came up with the name Theodore. You say Theodore Roosevelt. And that, I mean, I think that that was an influence. Um, okay we were just looking through names one day and I, and I love, you know, I, I love the name Ted. Uh, it's mm -hmm. very, I, I'm not sure why, but so we looked at that Ted and then that of course comes from Theodore and Theodore just was such a strong name yes. that wasn't, uh, you know, on the, the baby list of the top 50 or whatever every year. Right. Yeah. Um, and he is such a Theodore. Now the kids call him Teddy, which I love too. That's really right. adorable. Right. Um, but I don't, I, I'm not, I, but I do believe the influence was uh, Theodore Roosevelt as such a strong mm -hmm. name. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that about uh, the museum of, of uh, natural history. We used to live around that area and uh -huh. I used to, you know, stroll my kids around there all the time. And when Theodore was young and uh, old enough to talk, yeah. I showed him uh, Theodore Roosevelt and I, I showed him the, the nameplate. I said, what is that? What is that name? And he said he looked at it. He said, Theodore. I said, yes, <laughs> he's a very famous man. You have a very famous name. So. Well, I love Theodore Roosevelt because he broke the monopolies, and I'm hoping we can do the same now, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or all the rest of them who are, or, or, or Amazon, any number of large companies that seem to be controlling our life. L let me ask you, Janice, too, because, uh, you know, you have such a positive vision. It comes across in your book. Uh, growing up, family of origin, uh, are they the people who planted the positive seeds in you, or is this something you've come to on your own? I think if you ask my mom, I've always had kind of a sunny attitude ever since I was little. You know, I used to go out in the neighborhood and interview kids on the street, like, which I think is, you know, again, my career was probably predestined back then. Mm. Uh, and I just had a, had a good attitude about things. I think that that is probably something that you're born with. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, it's what you go through in life too, that reinforces that attitude. Right. So I feel like all of the challenges that I have gone through have reinforced that reason to be positive, right? You can okay. have periods where you don't, you're, you feel down and you don't want to get out of bed. Um, but I do have that glass half full. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I am, and maybe it is because I have, uh, an idea that God has already chosen my path. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. So if we accept that, it makes life a little bit easier. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with you. You know, I'm going to agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> well, now one of the challenges in your life I want to talk about is uh, uh, you lost both your in-laws to the experience of COVID uh, and that would be bad enough. And I want to talk about how you helped Sean and the children cope with that. But uh, you also, there's a political dimension to that and that you've taken on this uh, massive bully of a governor of ours, uh, Andrew Cuomo, in terms of holding him accountable. Uh, I have to believe that some people around you said uh, you're really wading into a very, very challenging uh, battle here. So where's the courage come from to say, I'm going to hold the governor of New York accountable, not just in general for the death of innocent people, but specifically for my two much-loved in-laws. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, and at the very beginning, when we lost Sean's parents, um, Mickey and Dee, my husband didn't want me to um, publicize this. He didn't yeah. want, uh, he's a very private person. You know, he, he mm-hmm. encourages my career and encourages what I do for a living, but his personal life and his family are very private. Yeah. But when we were seeing these reports about the March 25th order, putting COVID positive patients into nursing homes yeah. and how the governor wasn't really talking about it on television, or at least he wasn't being asked those questions. Right. And I was seeing this and going, well, we didn't know about that March 25th order. Why didn't we know that they were putting infected <laughs> patients into, into elder care facilities? And then when I also read that he wasn't counting those that died in the hospital as, as you know, nursing home deaths, like my mother-in-law, she got COVID in her assisted living residence, died in the hospital, but her number doesn't count because the governor decided he wasn't going to count those. And we now know that the reason he didn't do that was to bring down those numbers so that right. he didn't look guilty or look like mm-hmm. he was doing a bad job. Um, So I remember, you know, I was sharing this with my husband and saying, this is not getting any media coverage at all. And this is something that is, that should be one of the biggest stories in (laughs) New York, if not the pandemic, you know, the, the losses that we have in the nursing homes, it's like an epidemic. And so I remember I was texting with my, uh, one of my bosses. And I also was texting with my friend, Tucker Carlson. And I said, this is a story, Tucker. And he said, you're right. It is. And anytime you want to come on and talk about it, I, I'm here for you. Oh. So I finally said to my husband, I would like to talk about this um, because they deserve uh, justice. If there, right, if right. there's something wrong, if the governor has done something wrong, then we need to find out. He can't just get away with this. So that's how that all began. And here we are a year later. um, And, you know, thankfully, there are uh, many investigations 
mm-hmm. that are going on, but he still continues to lead. He still uh, will bl- blame everyone else except him. Never taken any accountability. Never yeah. said, I'm sorry for your loss. Never has met with any of the family members. Um, but I have to believe we're on the side of the angels. And yeah. I believe at some point justice will prevail. I think you're right. I hope you're right anyway. And it's troubling to me that uh, even, uh, again, from Long Island, where I'm from, that people will say, they'll talk much more about his uh, uh, sexual indiscretions. And I'll say, you know, uh, th- that's bad. But I said, even worse is people died because of decisions that he made. And uh, and for a while, it was being swept under the rug. And uh, people like you have raised the issue. So it won't go away. And it shouldn't go away. Uh, this is just one more of the, the great tragedies of the, the COVID pandemic. And it should be for the sake of those folks, uh, something we, we're accounting somebody for, including the governor. But go back, if you would, to my other question. When you have a, a husband who loses both his parents, is is there a particular way you found to help him and the children with the whole issue of bereavement? Well, that's a tough, you know, broad question, but I believe faith is a big part of our lives. Yeah. You know, we are Catholic uh, and our church really rallied around us. Uh, mm. Our community was wonderful. Um, you know, even, even parishes across the country, uh, I would get word that, you know, a church in Nebraska was honoring Mickey and Dee in one of the services. Uh, I got sent wonderful prayer cards uh, from people. Um, I just felt, you know, that's the time when you feel close to God. And I really, there were many times where I prayed for many reasons. You know, we weren't able to see his parents because we were in quarantine and we weren't able to see Mm. them or have wakes or funerals or last rites. So I would pray many times that there would be a kind person that held their hands and when they took their last breath. Um, In terms of my children, you know, we've always been open and honest. They believe in God. Um, They know that Mickey and Dee are up there in heaven and they're together. And there is a solace in that, that they are together. Um, And so, you know, I I think those are the times when you, you know, you look to God to help you, you know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those Mm -hmm. who are crushed in spirit. There are many times that I remembered that and said that at night. Uh, Janice is uh, in her book, uh, Make Your Own Sunshine. She she talks in many, many ways about those who are heroic through this experience and particularly those on the front lines of uh, the medical community. Uh, I'm reminded, uh, Janice, of a a young lady named Francie who said to me, she was a nurse in an emergency room, she got COVID and uh, I thought that would be enough to send her home and stay home. But two weeks after she got better, she was back in the front lines there. And uh, she said to me, it was so heartbreaking to her that a young man, 28, who died of COVID should die alone. And I said, no, he didn't die alone. You were holding his hand. Mm. It's, it goes to your point that there are so many people who were true heroines and heroes in this whole thing. You said in another place, and for our listeners and watchers, obviously I want them to get hold of Make Your Own Sunshine, but in one interview you said, uh, uh, if losing my husband's parents brought me closer to faith. It brought me closer to our church and our community. Uh, I taught my children that they, their grandparents go to heaven. Um you know, you know, and I know that sometimes when horrible things happen to people we love, it can go that way where you have a positive spirit. But, you know, many people, too, can get to a point where they're just so disappointed in God for not saving the people they love. Did you or Sean go through a period at all of wondering why us? Hmm. 
I don't think so. I mean, of course, we went through the grieving process and yeah. said, why this tragedy? But it happened to so many others. You know, yeah. I I now have a family of, of friends that went through the same thing we did and they brought us into our lives, you know, and yeah. I truly feel their spirit with me all the time. For our listeners and watchers around the country, we're talking to Janice Steen. We're talking about her book, Make Your Own Sunshine. We know her from Fox News, but I want people to get hold of this book. Promise my last question, Janice. Oh. Um, if I, on a weekend, give a, a homily uh, and nine out of 10 people say, I really love that homily. And one guy walks out the door and he says, I thought that stunk. I'm going to all day be focused on the negative guy, which I shouldn't, but I do. Uh, what did I do wrong? How did I turn that person off? I mentioned that because if you go online, I mean, 99% of the people who read your books love them, say they're inspired by them. They're filled with hope because of them. But you'll see one troll out there who will take a shot at you. And I'm just thinking to myself, is Janice Dean like me? Does she let that one negative person get to her? Or is there a way not to let that happen? Mute them. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best invention because and you can also block them right if, if you're talking right. about social media but mute is a beautiful thing because they don't know that you've kind of like taken their voice right, right. they can yell at you all day long but you you don't hear them because you've muted them um but i understand that and i do take those to heart sometimes criticism can be good right because it makes right, you think right. okay well what did i do wrong how can i be better right um but i i don't and maybe that's just you know being in a business where you have to have a tough skin and and people are always going to criticize you for something yeah but i will tell you there is more goodness out there mm -hmm. and more positive feedback yeah. Then the negative feedback. And so I have to, you know, remember that. And I do remember that for the most part, I believe that people are good. Yeah. Uh, and then, but there are always going to be those, you know, the ones that are going to be, uh, they're, they're going to criticize, but you also have to remember that those people, the ones that criticize, there yeah. must be something in their life that makes them feel like they've got to lash out at somebody else, especially right. a stranger. I want to thank Janice for being with us. And Janice, for the folks around the country and the world who listen to this program, uh, the best way to get hold of the book, Make Your Own Sunshine, how do they find the book? Well, it's everywhere. It's, you know, you can you can go online. I like the independent bookstores, of yes. course, to help them, the small businesses. They have a special place in my heart. But also, this is a, a book that, that is meant to share. So mm -hmm. if you buy it, I encourage you to give it to someone else. Right. Uh, and, and that's the way to spread something. And I want to encourage pastors around the country, Catholic and otherwise, uh, people are looking for something material to give their parishioners. This is a great resource, uh, a positive spirit. Janice, keep it up. You're helping us so much to uh, crawl out of the negativity in this world and see the positive, the good, the hopeful. And voices like yours are, are a true gift, a true grace. And we're so grateful for you. Thank you, Janice. Oh, my pleasure. I hope we can do it again. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to me at Personally Speaking Podcast at gmail.com. To listen to past episodes of Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi, go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi. Don't forget, please, to click the like and subscribe buttons. You can also get past episodes by going to www.CloseEncounterTV.com and clicking on the radio button at the top of the page. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.